Blog Talk Radio. Dr. Leonard Richardson, we are back after a holiday hiatus. We were gone for a couple of weeks, but we're back. And we want to thank you, our listening audience, for being so faithful with us. I've uh, read the comments that were written on Facebook this morning as I posted the announcements. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, I also have to pass on to you that Dr. Richardson is not able to be here with us today because... I just got word from him that he's at a meeting preparing for the the onslaught of Danes who are going to be here for, centen- for the centennial celebration coming up in March. He's involved within, with the committee or organization known as Friends of Denmark. So he's not going to be able to be here in time before the show ends. So we'll carry on and we'll pick it up next week. He'll be here with us definitely next week. So, with that in mind, I want to welcome you to another sunny day in downtown St. Thomas. Sunny, sunny, sunny. But we have some good news to share with you, some exciting news to share with you as we start this new year. We also want you to know we have some new surprises for you, as opposed to old surprises. (laughs) Now, the surprises are basically, we have a feature called our featured contributor. I'm talking about the lady who's known as known as and is Valerie Sims. I think she's on the line with us right now. Valerie, are you there? Okay, she's on the line, but she may have stepped away for a while. What is Valerie going to do? Every once in a while, she'll pop in with some tidbits about vintage Virgin Islands. She's the editor of that blog. I guess it's a blog that she does online, but she has so much information about the days of the Danish West Indies the days of the U.S. Virgin Islands, and the days of the Virgin Islands of today. But our feature, our focus is on the Virgin Islands of yesterday and the Virgin Islands of the Danish West Indies. Valerie will be back with us today and share with us a few more things. Now, today we have several things going on. We wanted to do an interview with uh, Mr. Leonard Bonelli, He's off island, and we're not able to catch up with him. But I promise you this, our audience, that we will have him live with us one day soon when it's convenient for his schedule. But in the meanwhile, we have an auto, audio interview courtesy of Focus VI Radio Magazine. The narrator on that is Keisha Wallace, or as Faxman likes to say, Keisha <laughs> Blyden Wallace. I'm laughing because Faxman is particular. He gives all the details. Anyhow, we're going to play that to you today and go forward from there. So with that in mind, let's just see if we can get a hold of Valerie. Valerie, you there? Okay, Valerie's there. I know I can see her light lit up. 
but maybe she stepped away. So let's go ahead and um, talk a little bit about what else is going on. I would like to share with you, too, on Facebook, there's a lot of Virgin Islands information going on on Facebook. One of them basically is the Facebook page called Virgin Islands, or more correctly, United States Virgin Islands Centennial 2017. If you don't already have that website or that page on your Facebook, make sure you like it, make sure you follow it, because they will keep you abreast of what's taking place with the centennial preparations and celebration here in St. Thomas, St. Croix, and St. John. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. Now, on that note, I have a sad note to pass on to you. One of St. Thomas's, or one of the Virgin Islands' native son, has passed on. You may know about this. You may even know about him. But Mr. Roy Innes, a black activist with a right-wing bent, he died this week or earlier this month. He was age 82. Now, he lived in New York City, and he has been on several shows. And unfortunately, his excitement and his enthusiasm for his point of view got the better of him, and he got involved with several fisticuffs. And you may have known about that. I don't want to spend time on that. I would rather spend time on his positive qualities. He had a lot to offer. So let me share with you a little bit about his background, and then we'll pick things up and move forward with uh, Valerie. His name was Roy Emil Alfredo Innes. Now, he was born June 6, 1934, on St. Croix. His parents were Alexander and Georgiana Thomas Innes. His father, a police officer, died when Roy was six years old. That's when he moved with his mother to New York City in 1946. He attended the Studevin High School in Manhattan and dropped out at 16 to join the Army. When it, <laughs> when it was discovered that he was underage, he was sent home. He graduated from Studevin in 1952, studied chemistry at City College of New York until 1958 and worked as a research chemist for Vicks Chemical Company and Montefiore Hospital in the Bronx. Oh, my goodness. There's a lot more going on there. But what I would like to encourage you to do, go online. The New York Times, of all things, wrote a wonderful article about Mr. Roy Innes, black activist with a right-wing bent, dies in 92. That's the title of the article. It was written January 10th. 2017. So go online, <clears throat> search for the New York Times, and then go to that page. So let's go back and see Val there. Valerie, we're back. Are you there? Okay, we're still having a little difficulty. Connect with can Val. you hear me? Yes, I'm I can here. hear you there. Okay, great, 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 great. Sorry. I wanted to go ahead Technical. and hear what you, I wanted to tell the yeah. audience a little bit more about you so they can be aware of what wonderful work you're doing. Uh, audience, this lady, Ms. Valerie, <laughs> you're welcome. Ms. Valerie Sims lives for sharing information about the Virgin Islands. <clears throat> As I said, the information may be past information, 
or even current information, but it all ties in with vintage, as the name implies. She has a collection of pictures, materials, that go between 1900s and the 1970s. So, Val, welcome aboard. Welcome to the new year, and welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. Happy New Year to everybody. Great. Good to have you here. So tell us, what do you have for us today? Well, we know this year is a big year with the centennial coming up. So I've been focusing on on stories that are 100 years old. And there's, there's, well, it seems like they're all hundreds of years old, you know, with vintage Virgin Islands. But yeah. this one, this one I'm going to be sharing today is about the Denmark, you know, the uh, oh, Danish yes. training ship. Mm-hmm. Yes, the schooner. Yes, yes. Been on yes, it. Yes, she's been. She, oh, have you? Yes. Oh, it, it was in, oh. It was in the harbor for about a day or two. This was back in the 80s. But it opened the, uh, whatever the, 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 the term is, the navigable terms. But it opened their decks for visitors coming to visit it. We couldn't go below deck, but we just came on deck. It was very impressive. One of those schooners is as gigantic, not as big as those mega <laughs> those mega cruise ships, but nevertheless, for a schooner, it is big. Had about three or four masts, I think. So tell us yes. what you got about it. Well, um, you know, my grandfather was uh, one of the first people to tour the ship when she came in 1934. Oh. You mean you got there before uh, when- I did? Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping for a tour in the future myself, but um, okay, okay. But yes, when she came, she was the first official Danish ship to visit the islands after the transfer. So it was 16, almost 17 years before the island saw, you know, another Danish ship. Wow. So it was quite a historic visit, and of course, she's been coming, um, you know, every couple of years since. Yes. Yes. All through the 50s, all through the 60s, 70s. And uh, and the great news is that she's returning again for the centennial. Fantastic. So, yeah, impressive. this is going to be a very special moment, one of nostalgia, I think, to see her Whoa. come into the harbor again on um, for those special ceremonies. Now, in this day and age, we have cameras, we have video cameras, we have uh, Google, we have whatever it is we wanted to have that we can preserve the image of that ship. Because back in the day, back in the 80s, if you had a camera, you had to take one or two pictures and take it to the apothecary or to the Photoshop to get it yes. developed. <laughs> Those days are long gone, thank goodness. I, I know, we take like 20 photographs just of <laughs> one event, you know, yes. Yes. digital yes. cameras. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, so it's pretty exciting that um, that right. they're going to be coming back again. So I'm well, looking you know forward to that. Great. I don't have any connection, but I'm gonna I'm gonna put it out there in the universe to, to let the Danish commander of this ship swing by your island, pick you up, and bring you to St. Thomas. Would that be okay? <laughs> Sounds wonderful to me. <laughs> it's it's uh, a big wish, a big wish on my part. Oh my goodness! I yeah. know. You know, yeah. back in the day, too, um, J.P. Maynard, who was a prolific poet, and um, uh-huh. he wrote a beautiful poem as a tribute to welcome them when they first came. Uh-huh. And uh, he even received a nice thank you um, cable from the king for the oh, kindness really? uh, that he and wow. all the Virgin Islanders showed towards towards the ship and the crew and the officers. Yes. So it's really That's nice. Fantastic. I'm going to be sharing that poem later today. 
Okay. Later today, as in here, or later at, at another event? No, as in online after this show on Facebook. Oh, okay, so, okay. With, well, within the hour, I'm going to be posting okay. it on Facebook. I'm sure people would love to know where to find you. So why don't you go ahead and tell them the the two sites yes. where you're located on, online? Please. Well, they can find me online at vintagevirginislands.com, or mm-hmm. it, it links to my name as well, valeriesims.com. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that same name on Facebook and Twitter and Google Plus and everywhere else, Vintage Virgin <laughs> Islands. It's all about the history. It's all about the past and keeping it alive for the next generation. And you put it on the map, on the Internet map, across the Internet, the World Wide Web. Well, that's good. I know. That's good, Val. That's great. Yes. That's thank great. you. Thank you. Okay. Now, tell me a little bit more about the ship. Um you, we would what? wonder that in excuse me one second in this day of technology, where most ships have the high technology of today, the uh, GPS, the, uh, the the recordings, the video cameras to to assist with their navigation. Does this ship, a schooner built in the 1800s, have that kind of equipment? Do you know? Oh, I'm sure the ship's been updated, but she's not really that old. She may look it, but she's only built oh. in 1932. Really? So, yeah. Oh. So when she came to the island, she was only she was brand new. She was only a couple of years old. She's oh. over 250 feet, so she's yeah. a good size, and she carries like 26 sails. So to see oh her under sail is yes. absolutely yes. stunning. Yes. She's participated in the tall ships of New York City. And that is yes. impressive to see all those ships going by with those humongous masts. I mean, in height. But then there's so many masts or sails attached to each mast. And I think she has three or four masts to, to her. Wow. Yes, Amazing. yes, she has three. Amazing. You wow. know, there's a story behind that as to why she is in the tall ship regattas. You know, really? during, um, yes, when, when World War II broke out and, and the ship happened to be in America. They, she called mm-hmm. the captain. She called the president of the United States because she couldn't go back home to Denmark and offered the ship up for the youth to train the U.S. soldiers. Wow. So for that service, you know, she ended up mm-hmm. training uh, over 5,000 U.S. soldiers while she was in the U.S. Wow. And uh, as a thank you, she's honored and allowed to um, participate in the tall ship regattas. So she takes number amazing. two position. Behind the USS Eagle. Wow, that is amazing. Yeah, now, there's she, so much history and so much stories yes, behind the photographs. Yes. It's amazing. It is amazing. And, and I'm so glad that you are here to bring those photographs to life. You know the story behind them. We see the picture and we see the text that's written with it. But it's not as good as hearing from you the story behind the story. Thank you. Oh, thank thank you. you so much. Oh, you're Great. welcome. My pleasure. Great. Well, we will be having you pop in from time to time as we go on with the shows. And these shows every Saturday at noon, that is Atlantic time, will be featuring article stories about the centennial or anything leading up to it pre or post transfer day. So, folks, if you haven't already Mark your calendars, reserve your time on Saturdays. I encourage you to do so now, to do so now, because 
You never know what's going to come up. Valerie may surprise you with some tidbits, or she <laughs> might tell you next week I'll have three to surprise you with or more. It's entirely up to her. But we are so honored, Valerie, that you can be here with us. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure. Great, great, great. Anything else you have you wanted to add? Well, you know, I I also did an interesting article on how the Virgin Islands became the Virgin Islands. Remember, they wanted to name them after Admiral Dewey. Dewey, yes, I remember that. You know, as a tribute to him because he had passed away and, and he had done, you know, he supported America and whatnot in 1898 and, and, um, Yes, and they wanted to honor him, but of course, Virgin Islanders did not like that name and, and knew that New he had Island. no real association <laughs> with the yes. islands. So. Yes. yes. Yeah. Can you imagine the Dewey Islands? <laughs> it doesn't make sense. I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. yeah, Everything yeah. Everything works out for the best. For so. the best, yes, exactly. Well, that's great. That's great. Now, you're welcome to stay with us, or if you have other things to do, do whatever you need to do. But we thank you for popping in with us and sharing your stories. Now, you are our official featured contributor, and every Saturday we're on the air, we will wait to hear from you as you pop in or pop out, whatever you wish to do. (laughs) Well, thanks a lot. You're welcome. All the best. All right. Thank you. Thank you ever so much. So, so (laughs) followers, fans, listeners, this is what the show is all about. Every Saturday we'll be having something special for you. This will be a surprise for, for you as well as for me. I never know what God's going to bring to us, but you will bring us guaranteed information about the history of the Virgin Isles. Not necessarily the history, but what has happened historically in the Virgin Isles within the past hundred years or so. She has pictures and she has stories behind the pictures. As I said, come anywhere from 1900s to 1970s. And it's good to learn the story behind the story not just see the picture itself. Well, I have a story for you now. I'm going to turn to Mr. Leonard Bonelli. Now, most people may recognize the name Bonelli because it's a very prominent name in the Virgin Islands, especially on St. Thomas. I don't know so much about on St. Court, but on St. Thomas, it's a very popular name. Mr. Bonelli is in Rotary Club, as I am, so that's how I got to know him fairly well. I knew the name, I knew him before. But I never had a chance to interact with him because we are different generations and we are different interests and preferences. So now that Mr. Benelli and I are in the same club, we rub shows every Tuesday morning. And in the process, he said to me, "I have this um, interview that I've done. Would you like to make a copy of it for me?" Well, I took it a step further. I said, "Sure, I don't mind making a copy." But when I heard it, I was impressed. And I thought, it would be great to have Mr. Benelli on our show. Sad thing is, he's off Ireland this weekend. So hopefully when he gets back on Ireland, we'll have him live. But in the meanwhile, I have a copy of his recorded audiobiography done for Focus VI Radio Magazine. I'd like to go ahead and play that for you. But before I do, I want to give credit where credit is due. The recording is made by... It was hosted and produced by Keisha Blyden Wallace and Mr. Peter Artley of PEO Productions. That's all part of WSDA on Saturday mornings, if you ever listen to WSDA. As a matter of fact, you could even go online and listen to 
past shows of Focus VI. The web address is just simply focusvi.com. And you can find that on our front page where our slideshow description is located. So let's go ahead and take a listen to what Brother B has to offer about his background and what Ms. Wallace has to say about uh, Brother B. Here we go. Kofi Annan, seventh Secretary General of the United Nations, said, No one is born a good citizen. No nation is born a democracy. Rather, both are processes that continue to evolve over a lifetime. For Leonard Brother B. Benelli, this statement is true. His life has modeled that of a good citizen. From a young age through today, Leonard Brother B. Benelli has been involved and dedicated in serving our Virgin Islands community. He told us about his early years, his background, and the many activities he has chosen to be a part of today. I was born in St. Thomas, U.S. Virgin Islands. I'm the son of Elsa E. Del Toro and Leonard W. Bonelli, Sr. The Bonelli name is very popular here in St. Thomas. We have a pretty good life family. As a boy, I grew up around the Lena Roberts Stadium area called the Hospital Grounds. I did a lot of chores, for instance, like milking cows, getting feed for the donkey and the goat, picking up hog food, selling pate and johnny cake at the Borg's home area. Then from there, I attended the Jefferson School. Then from there, I went to Lincoln School. From Lincoln School, I went down to high school. At the time, we had to go to legislature building, Bethania, Parish Hall, education building across from Roosevelt Park. And also, we had to go to um, Commander Garda School and then up at the Lyraba Stadium for physical ed. And we did, they did that every day, Monday through Friday, and we walked. We didn't have any transition at that time. I graduated from the Chardonnay High School in 1947. I then was inducted into the U.S. Army in 1951, and I served until the latter part of 1955, going to 56. I returned back home, and I began to seek employment, and I first started uh, with the Department of Personnel, and then I went privately with Auburn Gross Imports, and then back to the Government Employment Service. From there, I went down to Finance Department. I worked from there and was drafted from Finance Department up to Government House, where I worked as a financial officer for five governors, Mr. Paiwanski, Evans, Wang Lui, uh, Mr. King. And uh, all of that, I had a wonderful time. I also worked at the TV station when it first came into view with Carl Bastian and Mr. Dunlap. As a matter of fact, I have a resolution that was passed by the legislature back in 1950-something relative to my ability and my performance in the work as a fiscal officer for that program. I am involved in a lot of activities, particularly sports. I help the youths where I can. Right now I'm a caregiver. I have a lady at the Queen Lewis home that I look after, and I go there every day and assist where I can with the other Residents that are there, I sometimes uh, bake cake and take for them banana fruits and so forth and greet each and every one of them when I get there. Uh, presently, I am with the Agriculture Food Program, that's the Ag Fair Program. I'm also uh, with the VI Olympic Committee. I'm also involved with the Men's Club of the Church, 
And I have one or two. I'm also involved with the Vaudel Medical Institute over in St. Croix. I'm with the care, Caregiver Force program here. I'm with the Boy Scouts of America, which is my love of being a scout there. One of the groups Mr. Benelli has been passionate about is the Virgin Islands Olympic Committee, of which he has been a member since 1971. I have been with the Olympic Committee from 1971. Oh, well, uh, I, oh, I played every time. I played uh, football when I was in high school. I was a member of the varsity. I played baseball. I played Saba with the Arawaks. We were champion for five consecutive years, which would be Valley, Calvin Wheatley, Lionel Tadman, and others. We played every Sunday. I played volleyball. I played basketball. I played cricket. But <clears throat> a couple of times when the guy bowled the ball, you know, I, I was good to play the ball. But then after a while, the guy got a little bit uh, upset with me. So he began to bowl what you call a home yorker. That means that the ball would bounce instead of staying down. And it would either hit you on your shoulder or someplace in your body. So after I got about three of those, I move and give the guy the full wicket, and that was the end of my cricket days. As a member of the Virgin Islands Olympic Committee, Benelli has traveled to a number of Olympic Games. I have been to 1972. That was in Munich, Germany. 1976 was in Ontario, Montreal, Canada. 1980 was squashed because that's the time when the United States had the blockade with Russia so that we couldn't go. 1984, I went to Atlanta. I mean, 1990, yes, 84, yeah, I went to Atlanta. Uh, 1988, I went to Seoul, Korea. 1992, I went to Barcelona, Spain. 1996, that's where I went to Los Angeles. No, correction. 84 was in Los Angeles. 96 was in Atlanta. Uh, 2000 was in Sydney, Australia. 2004 was in Greece. Uh, 2008, which was uh, recent, that was in Beijing, China. And the next one is 2012, which will be in London. So I have been to everyone from the time I became a part of the Olympic Committee, with the exception of going to Russia. We also have the Central American Caribbean Games, and we also have the Pan American Games, which are four years apart. And to name those, it would take too long, because I've been to everyone from 1971 through uh, 2008, to all of those games. What will it take for Virgin Islands athlete to win the gold, silver, or bronze medals? The, the, what we need most of all is the training facility. That's the bottom line. Because what we have to do is there are athletes that are away. There are athletes in college for which we give a stipend or a grant for them to train. The bottom line is that they are training separately at the colleges that they attended. So therefore, when we have like a volleyball uh, game or we have a, a baseball game or we have a basketball game, we have to get all of those athletes from the various colleges to come back home to unite together and to try to practice, which is hard. If there was a lot of time where you can, you can work together and get to know each person's movement and their skill or their ability, then you don't have a problem. But that is our biggest problem, the point of having a training facility so that the youths can be trained here on a daily basis. Right now, there's only one, two federations at this point that I know that have the facility. That is 
the Dolphins over in St. Croix, and the other athletes that have uh, access to the educational complex in St. Croix. And here in St. Thomas, we have the boxing. They are using the old web place over in Pearson Garden. There is so much equipment and so many uh, desks and so forth in that area that the space is limited rarely for the boxing unit. Mr. Rosario and Mr. Manitez and Julian Jackson are doing a fantastic job because they take and go there every day from 4 o'clock probably until 7. They not only teach the children for the sake of boxing, but they also have computers to have them there utilize the computers while they're waiting for their turn, either to skip route, to shove the shadow box, or to get inside the ring. Most importantly, the program that Jose has deals also from the point of taking care of the children. If the children do not behave, we call the parent in. And then also what we do is we make sure that the children are doing well in school. If they're not passing in school, which is the most important factor, then we get them back to school, and then when we check with the teachers and find that they are doing better, then they can come into the program. So in a case where Jose and his group is not an outlet where the children just come and just call out, so to speak, online. Once they get there, they have something to do, and there is proper supervision. Besides the Olympics, local athletes are also involved in other regional games in a variety of sports areas. Well, uh, first of all, before you get to the Olympics, you have to start with uh, Central American Caribbean Games, which is, as it says, Central American Caribbean. So therefore, that's the first step. The second step is the Pan American Games, and the third step is the Olympics. Now, as it stands right now, we have 22 federations. We have um, baseball, we have basketball, we have boxing, we have uh, cycling, we have um, fencing, we have equestrian, we have uh, judo, uh, judo, we have uh, university sports, we have sailing, we have swimming, we have um, winter sports, we have shooting, we have tennis, we have cycling, and that's it, we have about 22. Now, each federation... We try to have members both in St. Thomas and St. Croix, also in St. John, and we have a couple from uh, Water Island. And uh, what they do is based on the limited space that they have, they try their very best to do what they can to train or assist the athletes or the promising youths who wants to be athletes or in a particular sport. They try to do. Some of them probably train them at their own home, train them in the, in, in the yard. But as I said before, the bottom line is to have a training facilities. What is on the school is not sufficient because what is on the school is strictly for the school. And uh, their, their curriculum is such that even if you try to request to use the space, it's very seldom that you are fortunate because they have their year-round activities already planned. So all I can say with the shooting, that's a very expensive sport. Because the shooter have to buy their own rifles, they have to buy their own ammunition. Sometimes it's a case where they have a competition in order to go to a game, you have to qualify. Shooting may have to go all the way to Germany, they may have to go to Russia, or one of those places. The International Olympic Committee, which, which is the umbrella over all the sporting units, the way you call NOCs or National Olympic Committees, there is around about 212 
National Olympic Committees that comprises the International Olympic Committee body. The 212 are the nations or the countries that are members of this Olympic body. And there are times when you would have to go eat a basketball team. Say that's wrong, about 20 members. So if you take a basketball team, the men and the women, that's 40. Then you have the coaches, you have the managers, and so forth. Now, in most cases, we have to take care of the expense for the travel. And as you know, that uh, sometime, just about every year, there is an appropriation made by the legislature toward the Olympic Committee. But based on the income of funds, we are not a branch, so to speak, of the government. So the funds first have to be considered for the use of the government, and then we are in the miscellaneous group. So therefore, whatever we can get, we are thankful, but we have never been able to get the full appropriation. But we understand the situation. So I'm just saying here that when we have to send 80 people to a place like um, Argentina to qualify or to Mexico, we have to find the funds within the Olympic body. Now, what we have done, the each federation pay dues, that's one. Uh, we get some contribution from one or two areas. Uh, number three, sometimes we hold, we had a raffle just the other day for a car raffle. We hold a golf tournament to try to raise funds. But however, as you know, the amount of money that we raise after we pay expenses, we do not come with that much. But we try to do the best we can. But most importantly, is that we do assist all of the athletes that are members of the federations that are away to school. We assist them by giving them whatever we can on a monthly basis, which is done mostly prior to the time of the scheduled games. Since 1976 to present, Benelli has been a member of the Olympic Committee. He told us why he's a member. I, I do enjoy being a member of the Olympic Committee and all the other organizations because I believe in volunteering. I also believe in being like a model and try to pass on to people, kids, that it isn't everything that they do that there has to be a dollar coming in. There is something you do because of your love. There is something that you do because you feel that by doing this, you're helping someone. And that person that you help can understand that would he be in help can also help someone. Like I always tell them two things. Uh, I try to get them to go to church. The, the formula I use for church is I say, look, you have seven days in a week, 24 hours each day. That's 168 hours you have in a week. All you need is one hour for church. And you have 167 hours left to do as you wish. That is what I tell them. The other thing I tell them, you know, stop complaining. Even if you feel bad, think positive. Because no matter how bad you feel, or no matter what your condition is, there is somebody whose condition is worse than yours. And I always tell them this. Remember that a man who was raised in Cain because he didn't have a pair of shoes, until somebody walked down the street, and saw a man that had no feet. What is his advice to our young people and young athletes? The bottom line, you know, as I always tell people, it isn't a point to start. The bottom line is to finish.
And I always tell all the athletes that run track, when you go in there, even though you're going to run about, uh, against Marion Jones, you tell yourself you could beat her. And your job is the person who is in front of you, you got to pass. Don't worry about those who are behind you. Don't look back. Once you start, you're moving forward. Don't look back. Anytime you look back and see who's behind you, you're, you're going to change your stride. You're going to slow down, and then you're going to have to go ahead and catch up in order to get back to your stride. By that time, you know, the guy Bolt, you're, you're from Braille, he's like 9.7 point something in the 100 yard meters. So therefore, you could understand that once he's, I mean, he's a guy, he's about six feet, about six feet four. I mean, you know, when the, when the guy uh, starts, I mean, his legs are like a giraffe and he moves. But it's very, very good. But that's the situation there. But I always tell them, no matter how you finish, once you cross that line and once you have given it your best, you can tell yourself and say, I'm satisfied with my performance. But if you go there with the feeling that there are five runners apart from you, which means a total of six, and you are saying you can't beat none of them, then you don't belong in the race. <coughs> it's just like in softball. You have teams that are championship teams, and then you have this other team that come in. They lose five or six or eight games, but the bottom line is that they felt that they were competitive enough to join the league. But the bottom line isn't how many games you played. It isn't a case of how many you won or how many you lose. The bottom line is how well you played. Did you give it your all? Did you give it your best? Did you cooperate with your other team players? When they told you something, did you listen to what they said? Do you avoid quarreling? Do you just give suggestions? That's important. <clears throat> and my creed is if I don't upset myself, I ain't going to let nobody upset me. Benelli's service-mindedness perhaps can be linked to his involvement in Boy Scouts. He's been a member since 1939. He has the honor of being the longest active involved scout in the Virgin Islands. Well, I was the troop. I joined the scouting in 1939 with Troop 36 with Mr. Frederick Isanison. And then from there... I left and I became a member of Troop 127 with Lois Wells and Mr. Wilfredo Gomez. And presently, I am now with Troop number 156, allowing Mr. Kirad, who is our Scoutmaster, and uh, myself as a senior member of the Scouts, allowing Mr. Carrillo. I have been uh, with the Scout of uh, Cam Guajataca. That's in Puerto Rico, but that was all the way back in the 1950s. Apart from that, all that I have attended have been camps that we go within the We go to camp over in St. Croix, Howard Walls, uh, Scout Wall Camp, which is over Dividini, Carino Bay. We've been to, uh, we go to Water Island, we go to Mandal Bay, we go to Virgin Garda, we go to Tortola, we go to uh, St. John. And uh, wherever else that we can find, we have been over Stumpy Bay. So I have done a lot of camp. As a matter of fact, we have uh, a camp out that is scheduled for next month. And we do have a slogan. We have T-shirts for the scouts that says, Have Tent. 
will travel. So we make sure that we take the kids out and we teach them the things, the basic for survival, like uh, the, the uh, preliminary the procedures related to preparing for cooking, preparing for campfire. We teach them to, uh, to uh, tie various nuts, tell them what, why, what type of nut and what the, what, what the purpose is. We also go out there out by the lagoon to the kayak, and we take them out there kayaking, and we, we have a combination now where we have the Boy Scout and we have the girls that are called Ventures. But they, we are one troop. Where we both carry the troop name, and we carry the troop numeral of 156. Over his lifetime, Benelli has seen many changes in our society. He gave us his thoughts on our society and equipping our workforce for success. The uh, first one would be construction. As you know, that I worked in employment service back in 1961 and 1965. And at that time, I was the clerk that was assigned to construction, uh, domestic, and hotel. I would say about 50 to 60% of the people that came from the Dung Island, as we call it, I was responsible to send them out to construction work up to the hotel or as maids or as uh, people to work in the stores. And the good thing about that is that I always instructed them that if they had any problem at all to come and let me know so that I can go to the supervisor or the employer and see if what they tell me is true. <clears throat> There's one lady who came in to the office one day. I told her, all I have that I can assist you with is a job as a clerk down at Port Authority. She said, Mr. Bonelli, I do not know anything about clerical work. I said, look, everybody can know everything about everything. I am not asking you. I am telling you to go down to the job and once they accept you, try. That lady worked there from that day for over 20 years. And she retired from that same job. And every time that that lady passes me, she said, Mr. Bonelli, thank you. Now, that is satisfaction to me. I felt go uh, good because I helped someone. But more important, that person helped herself because going there to the job, not knowing, but staying on the job and learning to become proficient enough to stay there for 20 years tells her, tells me and the community something, that we do have people here in the Virgin Islands. That's another fact. A lot of, we have a lot of people here in the Virgin Islands that has the talent, has the, abil the ability, have the experience to do a lot of jobs. Why every time they have to go outside to get someone is beyond me. And that is one of the chief reasons why when a lot of kids go out to college, they do not come back. Some of them would make a sacrifice on their salary from where they were to come here to work. Sometimes they are appreciated. Uh, Sometimes it's a case where they are praised. 
Other times, those who were here before, who feel that they are glued into the job, becomes a little bit antagonistic and not want to let the person be welcome. Or have the people say, well, okay, this is what I can do. If you need any help, if you have a problem, you could check with me. One. The hotel industry. <coughs> As you know, tourism is our main course of revenues. If the cruise, if the ships come here, I don't know exactly. Everybody probably will become a farmer. All taxi drivers going to have to look for some other type of work. And it's going to be a dilemma. However, the hotel owners must understand that even though some of the people here may not have the experience, they should have a training program in the hotel industry. So that you do not go there as a dishwasher and spend 15 years as a dishwasher. You have a training program that makes other positions available, which will be like an incentive, so to speak, <coughs> to the worker. That's important. More important also is, is any time that you have someone that is working with you, you have to make sure that you set the example. If you want the employee to come properly dressed, you should be properly dressed. You be the guide. You be the model for that person. And I have worked two, three places. I have been in a supervisory capacity. I always hear people say, my employees. I have never once they said, my employees. I always say, my co-workers. If, you, if they're my employees, I'm supposed to be paying them. And if I employ myself at the same firm, how can they be my employees? So I can, those are my co-workers. The construction, well, at one time we have a boom. And the other factor here is, the, is these EDC companies. <coughs> they come in, of course, we do not know exactly what the terms of the contracts or agreement are when these EDC companies get benefits. I understand that they are responsible to make contribution somewhere, somehow, I don't know. But I think that those contributions need to be revisited and given to areas where help is needed. Just like you said, the Boy Scouts. They at least should be in a position to say, include the Boy Scouts, the Girl Scouts, um, the, the Civil Air Patrol, and these other, the junior firefighters, and so forth, and the others. They are the ones who need, <coughs> who need the help. <clears throat> Education-wise, all I can tell you about that is more, more or less what I read in the papers. I know because they brought in uh, Dr. Hall. I met him personally. I spoke at him. And based on what I have been reading, and the time that I've spoken to him, and one or two times, he is headed in the right direction, and he seems to be a nonsense person. And his aim definitely is to make the University of the Virgin Islands 
uh, known throughout the world. As Benelli reflects on his life, he is very thankful. I cannot complain. I had a hard life beginning coming up, but it's paying off. I give uh, God the thanks for allowing me to get to this stage. I say my prayers every night. I say my prayers every morning. And I give thanks to God every day. I say like tomorrow, if I make my list of things to do tonight, I say, God, spare my life. And if I make it the day now, I'm going to say, thanks be to God. But I must say that the life that I have lived, it is, it is one of satisfaction. And above all, like I say, I don't complain. If I have something, I have it. If I don't have something, I use whatever I have. In other words, that if I go home one day and I feel like I want to eat maybe chicken and only got a can of sardine, then there's a can of sardine. If I have a, a, um, a can of corned beef, corned beef. It's a can of Vienna sausage, a noodle, macaroni. If I got cheese, sausage, bread, a uh, soda biscuit. So like I say, I am not one to complain. If I wake up this morning and I have a pain, I tell myself two things. One, somebody has a greater pain than you. And two, the part that I'm alive, give thanks to God for that. So whatever is within my life <coughs> is not by me. It is by the, our Creator, God Almighty. What is the principle by which he lives? People have to learn in life to be, to be, be honest with themselves. Don't say that you did something just to say or to let people hear that this is what you did when you didn't do it. I don't believe in that. If I only move three out of five blocks, I'm not going to tell you I move four because the person who asked me to move those five blocks have a place for those five blocks to go. So if you only find three where they're supposed to go and the two still be how could move four? See, and that's what you do. You have to be honest with yourself. Do unto others as you will have them do unto you. And you will hear anyone, any of the scouts, any group that I'm in, you'll hear them say, Mr. Bernelli, I always say two things. Dress the way he dress, above all, and make sure that what you do, you do it correctly and you do it to your best. Once you give it your best, that's it. You do not worry about a person setting a goal for you. That is okay. But you have your limits. You must set your goal for yourself first. You must reach that goal for yourself first. And then after you reach that, then you go to your goal for the other person. But you set your goal first, and that is your most important factor that you have to achieve. And that's what I do. Leonard Brother B. Benelli embodies the life of a good citizen, not only in deed, but also by example. For Focus VI, I'm Keisha Wallace. Wow, that's amazing. Brother Vanelli. Man, oh man, oh man. What a contemporary historian, impact maker, you name it, he's done it. Record holder. Gee whiz. This is just a preview, a prelude 
to heaven, Dr. V- Dr. Vanelli. Yes, he is a doctor in my eyes. To heaven, Brother B, with us next time he's available. Look forward to having him here with us. I am looking forward to it. I hope you are too. In the meanwhile, make a note of our phone number so that when Dr. Richardson is here next week in the future episodes, when Brother B is here, you can call in and ask him your questions directly. Now, here's that number. Number is 347-237-4374. When is the show on the air? Hopefully, it will be every Saturday from noon to 1 p.m. Atlantic Standard Time. That would be 11 o'clock Eastern Time, 10 o'clock Central Time, 9 o'clock Mountain Time, and 8 o'clock Pacific Time. Now, I mentioned those time zones because since we are on the Internet, we are heard all across the world wide web. Of course, there are people who are in Europe, or people in South America who listen to us, I don't have the translations, but you can find translation times quite easily online. Go to www.timeanddate.com to convert our time to your time. There are a lot of Virgin Islanders in England. <clears throat> I believe England is five or four hours ahead of us. So you go on timeanddate.com and you'll get the conversion time so you could be with us. We appreciate what you have done, how you have followed us. We are really impressed with the following. Now, we would like to be more impressed with hearing your voice on the airways with us. We encourage you to give us a call at your convenience anytime we're on the air. Now, I can't thank oh, Valerie now for coming on and sharing her tidbits with us. Our featured contributor is Valerie Sims who is the editor of Vintage Virgin Islands, a website or a blog more specifically, a collection of photographs from before and right after Transfer Day. In fact, her pictures go from 1900s to, well, 1900, singular, the year 1900 to the year in, in the 1970s. She had that range of that many pictures in that range, time range. So by all means, we look forward to having, I'm going to call her Miss Vintage Virgin Islands herself. Whenever she's available, she'll pop in and just share with us whatever's on her agenda that day. Make sure you go online because she sent me the link to her story on the Denmark, Denmark, D-A-N-M-A-R-K, it's Denmark with the country and Denmark with the A for the ship, the training ship. Very massive, impressive training ship. Four masts and about, uh, how many she said, 20, 21 sails in it. It is impressive. So with that, I want to wrap things up now and thank you all for being with us. I want to uh, thank Val again. I give thanks to Focus VI for allowing me to play the recording of Brother B. And I do want to give shout-outs to Focus VI and let you know you can always visit them at www.focusvi.com and review their stories, their 
biographies right there on that on that website. You can also visit Valerie at ValerieSims.com or go to VintageVirginIslands.com. You'll link back and forth to each, either one. So with that being said, let me wrap things up now with a a little different music from Stanley and the Ten Sleepless Nights. Here's a typical elementary school song presented in quill fashion. Here we go. <laughs> 